you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you got to see some family. Uh, we had a good time. We got to go up and see my family up in the Texas Panhandle, and so it was really good. Uh, the wind was blowing. Don't worry. It was still blowing in the Texas Panhandle, so uh, we had a good time up there seeing everybody. I hope you did as well. Got to see at least some friends. Um, eat eat uh, enough turkey. I heard a couple people were sick different places, but uh, at least maybe you got to eat some turkey or eat, uh, eat some good food and get to spend some time with family. I know it's hard getting all the schedules together and trying to get everybody coordinated to get around. I know uh, there was a, 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 there's a joke about an elderly man who, who actually lived out in Phoenix, and he was trying to get his kids to come home for Thanksgiving. He couldn't get them to come home, so finally he, he called up just a few weeks before, a, a week before Thanksgiving, and he called his son in New York, and he said, son, just want to let you know, I got some bad news, sorry to ruin your week, but uh, after 45 years of misery, your, your mom and I were getting a divorce. And his son said, dad, you can't do that. He said, well, you just call your sister. I'm not even going to call your sister in Chicago. You, I just, I'm just tired of this. So he hung up the phone. The son called the sister over in Chicago and said, Mom and Dad are getting a divorce. Can you believe this? And she says, Oh, no, they're not. She calls Dad and said, Dad, don't do anything until we get there. Dad gets off the phone, looks over at his wife, says, Honey, kids are coming home for Thanksgiving. And they're paying for their own tickets. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? So whatever it takes to get everybody around, I hope you had at least a good time to get, to, get together. Um, we have today, we're talking about the art of Thanksgiving. And if you have your Bibles, Psalms 107 is where we're going to be going today, the art of Thanksgiving. Now, as with any artist, there is this point of inspiration. And the question becomes for us, what is our inspiration? Why should we give Thanksgiving? Why should we give thanks for what we have? What is the inspiration for it? Any good artist, whether it's a writer such as Mark Twain, he was inspired by the great Mississippi River. Matter of fact, when you read his books such as Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn, you also become inspired by the Mississippi River, and it makes you want to even go up and down the Mississippi River. Uh, a couple years ago when I was in Africa, I was talking to a, a boy who was going to, he was in the feeding program and then going to the high school, and so we were talking back and forth with several guys, and so as we're talking, um, one of the guys asked me if I like to travel, and I said, well, I like some, not a whole lot of travel, and he goes, if I could travel anywhere in the world, he said, I want to see the Mississippi River. Now, this is a kid in Africa, and I said, the Mississippi River, why would you want to see the Mississippi River? And do you know why? Mark Twain, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn. What is your inspiration? For some painters, it's the, the idea of actually trying to capture the, the ocean waves crashing up against the rocks. Maybe it's the snow-capped mountains. Maybe for it's the artist who sings, maybe they write that love song to try to capture the feeling of being in love. Or maybe it's the, the artist who, who tries to capture enjoying his tractor. Did you hear that song? There's a country song out that says, I, he's just, he's, he really loves his tractor. She loves me for my tractor. Anyway, I don't know what it is that they try to capture, but they always try to capture something, right? And there's this inspiration point. And the question for you and I as Christians is this. What is our inspiration? What should cause us to be thankful? Psalms 107. This, this psalm is written 
as a celebration. It was to be sung, and it was sung as the Jews would go in to worship. It was written after they came out of the Babylonian captivity. All right, so that means that they, they had been living in Jerusalem. Um, Babylon had came over, Nebuchadnezzar. They conquered and, and took away many of the, the Jewish people and their children, ransacked the entire city. They had lived in exile for 70 plus years, and now they're coming back. And as they're coming back, the psalm is written, and it gives us an idea of why we should be thankful. Psalm 107. If you have your Bibles, would you please stand with us? Even if you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to read just a few verses here. And I am not trying to be fancy today with my, um, my iPad. With, I left my Bible at the house just a minute ago and just realized it. Couldn't find it running through my office going, oh no, where's my Bible? So anyway, normally I use my Bible. This is still the Word of God. <laughs> it's just in an electronic format, all right? So forgive me. Next week we'll have the Bible. I, I prefer preaching out of the Bible, but... And we're going to do it in electronic format today, all right? You ready? We're going to read the first three verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. I like verse 1. Let's read it one more time. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for this day, and I am so thankful that You allow us to be able to be in this place together, together with other believers, to celebrate what You have done in our lives, God, to even give us a week where in our, in our country we can celebrate and say thank You and stop to pause to be around friends and family to remember all the good things that you have given us. God, we say thank you. And I pray today as we dive into this passage, God, I pray that you would give freedom to speak. I pray that you would you anoint me from on high. God, I pray that you would give me clarity of thought. And Father, as we walk through this, I pray your Holy Spirit would give us the ears to hear. Open our, our minds and our thoughts, remove distractions so that Father... Today we hear from you. God, we're asking that you would speak clearly. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to actually walk through the majority of this psalm today. And it's a lot of verses that I know. And you're going, oh no, that's a lot of verses. We don't have enough time. We're going to just have to walk through it quickly. But what I want to do is I want to show you how the writer, as he writes this, he breaks down the psalm and he says, if you're redeemed, he starts us off in the first couple verses. He says, the redeemed of the Lord, if you have been bought, if you've been purchased by God himself, if you are a believer, if you are now in the New Testament a Christ follower, then if you're redeemed, you should speak up. You should be thankful and you need to make sure you're thankful and you need to say so. And here's what he says. He walks us through and he says, this is who you are. You need to be thankful. You need to, and here's why. And he's going to give us four reasons why. And the way in which he wrote the psalm, it breaks down into several, pass, several parts. You're going to see the problem in each of these four cases. You're going to see the problem. Then you're going to see the appeal or the cry out to God saying, God, help us out of the problem. Then you're going to see God offer forgiveness. And then you're going to see thanksgiving. 
the giving of thanks for God bringing them out of the problem and forgiving them, restoring them, and helping them. So here's what we're going to see. We're going to see four different times this system, the four, the problem, the appeal, the forgiveness, and then the thanksgiving offered. You're going to see it offered four times. And as we see these four things repeated, you're going to see how that it applies to you and I today on why we should. It's our inspiration on why we, the redeemed, should give thanks. So let's start off and let's look at verse 4. Here's the first reason. We should give thanks because we have been lost and yet we have now been saved. Verse 4 says, Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in, and hungry and thirsty, they're so fainted within them. Here's the problem. The problem was what? They were lost. They were lost out in the desert. They were needing to be rescued. Now, we can flash back all the way to the time when the children of Israel were wandering in the deserts. They had been lost. You can also flash over to the time of them being in exile, where they were lost and separated. They needed rescue. And the problem about being lost is this, that when you're lost, you actually are lost, and you can't help yourself. Have you ever been lost? Now, most guys in here will put our hands down and say, no, I've never been lost. But when you actually get lost, really lost... You can't help yourself. I remember taking kids, when my kids were even smaller, that we would go shopping. And when we'd go shopping, they, they, they loved to get underneath the clothes. Have you ever seen this? They would go underneath the racks, and, you're, and then they would hide. And so we, you're going, Abby, where are you? Hannah. And you're starting to call out their names, and you can't find them. And for the first time or two, you're going, oh, that's cute. And then after that, you realize, this is, wait, this is not good. Right? And then you start calling out, and so you're, now you're trying to figure out, wait a minute, are they playing, or are they really lost? And there's this fear, oh no, did I lose something? And then all of a sudden you see the little feet, and you're like, okay, no problem. My, um, my brother and I, we, we have, I have four kids, and my brother has five kids, um, the middle brother. He had two kids, and then they had triplets. Praise the Lord, Right? And they're, the, they're two days, they're two days uh, younger than Xander. So when we get together, we have all these kids running around, and, and, and four of them are eight years old. So they're, they're running around. Well, when we've gone out to eat, the problem is, is when you go out to eat with all those kids, there's a good chance you're going to leave one, right? You have to do the head count. Now, here's, here's what, think about this. The children of Israel have, have been lost, and they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. They have been lost over into Babylon where they were in exile for 70 years. Now think about this. That means there have been at least one generation or two that have known nothing else but being lost and separated from God. Are you following this? They have been lost and needing to be rescued. And look what it says. Verse 6. That's the problem. Now verse 6. They make the appeal. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Why is it that we wait until we get into problems? Why is it that we wait for the problems before we ever call out to God? But it's a human nature, isn't it? We're lost, we're needing to be rescued, and finally we say, okay, God, I can't do it. And they call out to God saying, God, help us, please. And then God forgives, and it says he delivers them from their distress. He leads them by the straight way till they have reached a city to dwell in. And then he offers forgiveness, and look at verse 8. 
Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Now church, why should we, the redeemed, be thankful? Because we have been lost and we have been found. Every one of us. There have been points in times, whether you, 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 maybe you were small and five years old, or maybe you were 55 and you finally realized that you needed a Savior, but when you were lost and separated from God Almighty, you needed a Savior, and God saved you. Whosoever will that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What an incredible thought. Being lost If anything else, as a believer, us being redeemed, it should give us the foundation that we should be able to say, I should always be able to be thankful, because no matter how bad it is here, this is the worst it will ever get for me. I am saved. This is as bad as it gets. Isn't that an amazing thought? This is as bad as it gets because I have been saved. I have been redeemed. I get a future in heaven because God Almighty has saved me. What an incredible thing. So we give thanks for what God has done. We give thanks and we say thank you for allowing us to be saved. Oswald Sanders, he reports a a few years ago, uh, Paul Murphy was one of the uh, well-renowned chess players, a world champion chess player. And so he took him and invited him to to look at a friend's painting. And the friend had painted this incredible painting and it was called The Chess Player. And in this painting, what you have is you have a a young man sitting at a table playing chess, and across from him was Satan. And they were playing this game of chess. And on the line was this. If the young man loses, he loses his soul forever to Satan. And what you see in the picture is this. The game has been played, and you're down to the last move, and it's the, the young man's move, and you see the horror in his face because he's now in checkmate. And he realizes what's at stake is he's lost his soul. And this professional chess player, this world champion, he studies the picture for a while. And after studying it for a while, he asks for a chessboard. And he brings, they bring the chessboard out and he sets it up just like the painting. And he sits there and he, he begins to study and he's trying to figure out what is the move? Is there a move? And finally, after placing them in the exactly the same position, he said this, I'll take the young man's place and I'll make the move. And then he made the move, which actually could save the young man. I love the story because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. You and I could not save ourselves. We have nothing to offer God at all. And the reason we should be thankful is this, is because Jesus steps in and says, wait a minute, I've got this. They can't do it, but I can. And Jesus steps in and he makes the move for us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We should be thankful because God's redemption saves us and rescues us. Go next to the the next part in verse 10. The captive being set free. Here's why we should rejoice. Here's why we should rejoice and be thankful and say thank you to God. Verse 10, the captive being set free. Again, verse 10, we see the, the same formula, the problem. Some set in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. 
So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor, and they fell down with none to help. An incredible picture and an incredible image. Understand and remember who we're talking about. This is, this is the Jews coming in, and as they're coming in to worship, and they're saying, we're worshiping, and they bring this song, and bring this song into the temple. They're celebrating, and they're rejoicing and giving thanks because they remember back to their history, not only of Egypt, when for 400 years, their people knew nothing but slavery, right? Being captive. For 400 years, and then they remember all the greatness of how God had rescued them. And then they remember, as they're coming out of Babylon, and they remember looking back for 70 years. The pain, the torture of being separated, not being your own person, of not being free. They were captives. And the verses tell us they remember why they were there. They were being captives. They were slaves. Why? Because of their own sin. Did you see it? Because of their own rebellion against God. They remember the problem and they say, this is our problem. We were, we were held captive, but now watch what it says. Verse 11, or verse, verse 13. The appeal. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. Do you see that again? The problem Then the appeal, and they're crying out now to God, saying, God, help us. We cannot save ourselves. Verse 12, there's no one to help. They made it clear. They knew they could not solve the problem on their own. And that's what it says. Verse 14, do you see how God offers forgiveness? And he brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Aren't you thankful Aren't you thankful that you have a God who loves you and forgives you? And he consistently offers, no matter how many times we blow it, God consistently offers forgiveness over and over again. He offers forgiveness. He brings them out of darkness and out of the shadow. He bursts their bonds apart. I love the imagery there. It's like you're chained in a cell, and all of a sudden, the irons around your wrist and around your legs, explode for freedom. And here's what it says. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron, being held captive. Now let's just talk very honestly. One, we should be thankful and we should celebrate and we should, we have reasons, our inspiration, we are inspired to celebrate and say thank you to God because yes, we're saved, but also, number two, we have been set free. See, here's where we get to rejoice even more. I am no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer bound to the habits of my past. As a child of God, hello, I have been set free. Those old habits no longer have to dominate my life. The reason we have Celebrate Recovery here at this church is this. I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus Christ and His resurrection, there is no one in this place, there's no believer who should ever be able to say, I cannot get free from this sin. Why? Because the resurrection power is more powerful. His grace is more powerful than any sin that you could ever get involved in. And some of you are going, well, I don't know, Heath, have you ever been around? Yes, I've seen it. Yes, I've been around. Have, Heath, have you ever been addicted? Yes, I, there's addictions in my life. Yes, what have you done? Yes, the power of God 
is more powerful and he sets us free. To be able to be free, you don't have to keep walking in the sin. You don't have to keep walking in those old habits. The power of God sets you free. And if you've ever been set free, then you have reason to celebrate. You have reason to say thank you. It reminds me of four preachers gathering. They gather weekly to, to eat, eat breakfast together and share stories and talk and encourage each other. And as they're gathering and, and sharing, they say, hey, we always encourage everybody else to confess their faults and, and to find healing. So let's confess our faults to each other. So they begin to, to confess to each other. And one says, well, you know, I really, I really struggle with, with um, I, I really like smoking a cigar and I like a little bit of alcohol. Okay, and the next guy goes, well, you know, for me, I, I really enjoy golf so much that I, I skip out on work sometimes to go play golf. The other guy says, well, you know, for me, I, I, really, I, just, I really struggle. I, I, like, I like money. So I take money every once in a while out of the offering plate. And you guys are going, oh my goodness, this is really bad. So these preachers are talking back and forth. And the fourth guy, he's sitting there and they're going, hey, what about you? And he said, no, I'm not sharing. And they said, no, no, really, what, what about you? I'm not sharing. And, and they keep going, and finally they get him to, to share. And he goes, mine's gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> Every one of us, we have the besetting sin. But the besetting sin, Paul encourages us to get to a point where that besetting sin is no longer holding us captive, but we're set free. And that is exactly what Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, what Paul is moving us towards. He's moving us towards being free. Romans. Romans, he says, hey, the things that I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. But he says, here's what I'm learning to do. I'm actually learning to walk in a new way. And I want to encourage each of us. We have reason to be thankful, not only because we're saved, but now also because we are captives who have been set free. Look at the next part. The next one is, is not only captives being set free, but the sick being healed. Verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. 17 and 18 begins to recount being sick and being so sick that food doesn't even taste good. I don't know if you've been that sick. I, I, can't even, I, I don't remember ever a time me being that sick where food just doesn't taste good. But being so sick that it just, you don't have the strength to even really do anything. You're, you're hurting. And he remembers, and they're remembering and they're celebrating. Again, this is the Jewish people coming back. And they're coming out of the affliction of Babylonian captivity. They're remembering back to wandering in the desert. And in wandering in the desert, you remember the time when, when they all were afflicted with disease and sickness and the serpents were biting and they had to look to the serpent on the, the stick and Moses raised it up. And they're looking for healing. And they're remembering back. They're remembering all the sickness. And as they remember back to the sickness, here's what it says, verse 19. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Isn't that amazing? I, I love how this writer is consistently driving home the point. In this life, and in, in your life, and in my life, there's always going to be a problem, isn't there? 
There's always going to be a problem. The solution is not in you trying to make your way through, but the solution is this, crying out to God. And in crying out to the Lord in their trouble, He delivered them from their distress. He forgives. And He brings back and He says, He sent out His word and He healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. They give now this thanks because God has healed them. It says, let them offer sacrifice of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. I stopped and I, as I was reflecting on this last part, the sacrifice of thanksgiving and to sing songs of joy. This past week, I, uh, as I was up in, in, in the Texas Panhandle, I got to spend some time with my, my grandmother. Many of you have been praying for her. And um, five years ago on Friday, right after Thanksgiving, she was diagnosed with cancer. She was given a two-year life expectancy, and it's been five years. So we're celebrating and we're praising God and we're remembering, hey, this is five years. And we're just celebrating what God has done. And in her body, she is extremely frail. She's hurting. Every day, my granddad has to drain fluid off of her lungs. She's, she's, like I said, very weak. And I even watched her struggling as we have this incredible spread. You know, Thanksgiving Day, you have all the turkey. And she's, she's trying to put down the food. And I'm watching her, and I'm thinking about this, because I know this is the verse and the passage that I'm going to be speaking on. And I'm watching her eat. She's not enjoying it. She's trying and she's, she's working through, and even as she laughs and talks, there was, a, there, was just, there was the cough that came up, and she was, just, she was really struggling just through the day. But here's where I began to walk through this. The sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Why is it a sacrifice? Because when we typically say Thanksgiving, and when we talk about joy, usually what we're saying is, yes, we're all happy, and yay, it's good and great. But sometimes, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of the trouble, it's hard to give thanks, isn't it? It's hard to even get to a place where you're saying, okay, I'm going to say thank you to God because this right now is not really worth saying thank you for. And there's this heart's cry saying, God, how do I get there? So we're walking through and I'm listening to her and, and it's, it's interesting, it's fun to see again, I've been blessed to be able to have a, a grandmother who has such an incredibly strong faith and she's able to teach and I'm watching her and as I'm sitting there and we talk and we're interacting and we're laughing, we're having good times. And then there's this place where she just keeps coming back to how good and gracious God has been. And I'm listening to her. And it's, it's this, why is it a sacrifice of Thanksgiving? Because in the pain, it's hard to go through that. But yet there's still songs of joy. Do you see? There's still songs of joy because you're sitting there going, God, you're an amazing God. You're faithful. Your love is shining through. Even in the midst of this pain, which we wish we didn't have to go through, <laughs> you're still faithful. You still love. You're still caring. And there's many in this room, as I look across this room, and I, I get the privilege of, of being your pastor and hearing your stories. To walk into this room or even to to ride in a wheelchair to get it to this room sometimes just to even get it here is a sacrifice isn't it to get here in the pain that you're in and to to work through what you're working through 
from the health problems to everything else, and you're here, and yet what you're doing is this. It's offering a sacrifice, yes, because it's difficult, but it's a thanksgiving because you're saying, God, I'm still thankful for what you're doing and how that you're working. And there's songs of joy, and you're able to sing, not because you're so good, but because God is so good. And I want to just champion some of you today. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness to continue to offer those sacrifices that you're offering of thanksgiving because it's hard and yet you're still here and to offer those songs of joy because you're walking through it and you're allowing God to truly work through and you're calling out in the midst of your problem and you're making the appeal and God hears and God answers. Keep going. So we give praise, we say thank you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord be thankful. Why? Because we have salvation, yes. Not only because we have salvation, but then you move into, because God has set us free. He's, he's taken us and we've removed the things that have held us captive and now we get to the point where he says, okay, we're now giving thanks because we were sick and he's healed us. He's given us the strength to go through this and then you get to this last one. This last one is, the storms, the storms in life, how that we're being saved from the storms of life. Go down to verse 23. Some went down to the sea and ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. And they mounted up to the heaven, and they went down to the depths. And their courage melted away in the evil plight. They reeled and they staggered like drunk drunken men and were at their wits end verse 23 through 27 talks about an incredible storm where as they are doing this the merchants the navy the the men who are consistently out on the sea as they're out on the sea and as they work through all the different facets of the sea they get to this point where the they see god's handiwork and god's magnificent strength out of all the human creativity and ingenuity have we ever been able to stop and harness the sea completely? We think we're doing well, and then all of a sudden we see a tsunami. We think we're doing well, and we see a hurricane. And these mighty sailors out on the sea says that the, the waves began to mound up, and it caused the ships to go way high in the sky and then drop to the depths. And it caused these mighty sailors who have the sailor's legs, who are used to being out on the sea, they begin to get sick and they begin to stagger. They become seasick. And they can't even hold it anymore. And in the storm and being tossed back and forth, the Bible gives us again one last thing. It says this. Okay, so here's the problem in the verse 31. Or verse... Uh, 28, it says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, the waves of the sea were hushed. And then they were glad that the waters were quiet. He brought them to their desired haven. So again, we see the problem. We see the appeal to crying out to God. We see the forgiveness. We see God coming in and rescuing them. And then verse 31, Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. They're reminded through this psalm 
that whatever storm you've ever faced, no matter how big it has been, no matter how dangerous it is, that when you cry out to God, God hears and God is able to calm the storm. God is able to guide through the storm. That God is able to work no matter how big the storm is in your life. God is still in control. God is still in control. He's never stepped off the throne. He's still in control. And because God is still in control, when you call out to him, he's able to offer forgiveness, restore, protect. So why should you not give thanks? If you've ever gone through a storm, Maybe some of you are in the midst of the storm now and you're looking at how the end of the year is going to be and you're wondering how it's going to work out or what's going to happen in the next few months. And in this storm, you're saying there's no way out and I want to encourage you what the psalmist is driving us to. This is the song they would come in singing to the congregation. You celebrate who God is that in the midst of the storm, your God is bigger. Your God is enough. That your God has the capability of protecting and guiding and bringing you through the storm you celebrate it now let me ask you a question where does it say that we should celebrate it and give thanks did you see the last part of those verses in the assembly in the assembly come before and come into church and as you come into church you start celebrating what god is doing there is nothing that encourages faith like hearing the stories of other people When you get around other people and they're saying, look what God is doing in my life. What does it do for your faith? Oh, it begins to strengthen. You're going, hey, if God can work like that, I hope he can work like that in my life. Start sharing it. Start praising. Start celebrating. And as you celebrate, what it begins to do is it begins to transform this assembly to not just some ordinary assembly, not just some gathering. But this becomes a gathering of God's supernatural power being on full display For not only other Christians to see, but for the lost who come into this place. And they're saying, wait, there's something magnificent happening there. There's something going on that's supernatural. Because when I gather with other people, it's just normal. It's just just a football game. It's just just a, a town hall assembly. But when I come to this place, they are truly celebrating what God is doing. And God is doing the supernatural in that place. I want to go back because God's presence is there. And they celebrate Thanksgiving. The giving of thanks. Now, can I show you one last thing? Because I, as I was studying Thanksgiving and giving thanks, I came across a verse that I've read before, and I'm sure you have. It's over in Romans. If you can go over to Romans with me. And we know the first chapter of Romans. Again, we've, we've used it over and over again for many different things. But this psalm starts off, in Psalm 107 starts off, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And it says, This is who we are. This is what we need to be doing. Now go over to Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to ask that you go down to verse. Let's see here. I want you to go down to verse 21. The idea here in verse 18, 19, 20 is talking about how God has put his incredible character, his incredible power of creating the world And it's on display for all to see so that there's nobody who has an excuse to be able to say, I didn't know that there was a God. And God is saying, look, I put the stars in the heavens. Everybody knows that there's a God because of how I created. Nobody's without excuse. And then here's what he says. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish in their hearts were darkened. As I stopped and paused and I said, wait a minute. 
What was the, the ultimate sin here in Romans 1? It's that when they saw how great God is, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Do you see that? It blew my mind because as I was sitting there going, one of the worst things that I could do as a believer is to not be thankful. Remember how we started off in the first two lessons? How that we said, this is the will of God for your life. This is the will of God for my life. That I should pray always. I need to rejoice always. And then I also need to do what? Give thanks. Why do I need to give thanks? Because here in Romans 1, what it's driving us back to is this. That when I do not honor God and give him thanks, then I'm living as the heathen who say that there is no God and that I don't need God. When I give thanks, I'm acknowledging the fact that in my problems, I still need God. That in my lostness, I still need God. In my captivity, understanding who I am, I need a God to rescue me. So when I give thanks, in the midst of my sickness, I'm acknowledging the fact that I need a God to rescue me. Do you see it? To honor God, to give him thanks. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our inspiration is how good our God is, how loving and how faithful he has been throughout the years, and how that he answers when we call on him.